You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are previewing Michigan's fifth game of the season as they travel on the road for the first time. And they take on Nebraska. Like the other preview episodes, we'll look at some of the offensive keys in the first half of the episode, some of the defensive keys in the second half of the episode, and then give our final thoughts and score prediction at the very end. And Steve, we can really jump right into it. Michigan's offense, it's its not hard to look at Nebraska's stats and, and kind of see where the, the big matchup could be and that's that's Michigan's rushing offense which statistically hasn't maybe lived up to billing so far this season uh, but he's obviously very formidable has talent has the ability both offensive line scheme and in the run game or the running backs themselves and then Nebraska's run defense which you know there's I guess there's some caveats because they are second nationally in rushing yards per game second nationally in rushing yards per carry allowed But I don't know that they have faced a ton of rushing attacks. The Minnesota game was definitely a a nice statement for them, even if Minnesota is working in new running backs and and things like that. But like Colorado, outside the top 100 nationally in run play percentage, Northern Illinois is only averaging 2.9 yards per carry all season. Louisiana Tech also outside the top 100 nationally in run play percentage. So two very pass-happy offenses, a Northern Illinois ground game that hasn't been effective against anybody. And then the Minnesota game, that was, what, a season opener, kind of true freshman starting running back. So there there might have been some factors at play there. But still, this is a Nebraska defense that, you know, I guess to me, what jumps out to me, not a ton of mistakes, not lacking in physicality. You know, they're not a defensive front that's going to get pushed around that much so that's that's obviously the big matchup to watch Steve in your mind what is what is the biggest key for Michigan's offense in this game I I just I don't think Nebraska's offense is going to fare well against Michigan I just think it comes down to being on the road just not making mistakes not turning the ball over you know I mean I really think it's that simple in this game as long as Michigan doesn't overextend themselves in any way. Nebraska does have a, a solid defense. Like I think they have decent defense. Um, you know, I don't know if it's as good as Rutgers defense, but you know, I think their defense is better than their offense, I guess. So uh, to me, it really does. It comes down to just not making mistakes. You know, it is their first road game. So I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's like jitters or anything, but just you're not at home. You're in a different place. You traveled, your schedule's a little bit different. So can Michigan get off to a quick start? But to me, more importantly, is just avoiding avoiding costly mistakes, particularly in the first parts of the game, just because 0-0. You know, because I, I do, I think Michigan can get out to a lead here. Mistakes become less and less important the further ahead you are, obviously. So, uh, yeah, very simple in this one, but I, I do. I think it just comes down to not making mistakes and not giving Nebraska chances early on to keep themselves around because they have one of the most raucous crowds in college football, even though, even despite the fact that they've struggled so mightily 
uh, for so long at this point, you know, is like they still have one of the best fan bases in college football, bar none. So if you keep them in the game, then, you know, we've seen it before on different, well, we've seen it the last time they played in Lincoln, really, you know, that Michigan team was probably a lot better than the Nebraska team they were facing, but Michigan could not lucky to get out of there with a win. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, Michigan kept it, couldn't, couldn't pull away early. Nebraska turned it totally around in the third quarter and then Michigan had to rally and win. And I think there's something to be said about that idea of, you know, the team will rally around the crowd. It's an, it's a first year head coach in Matt rule. They're they're Obviously look at Michigan is always that signature win. I, Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. I do not believe Nebraska plays Ohio State, I, but this is probably it's almost certainly their biggest home game of the year, right? So you want if you're Michigan, you want to yeah get the crowd out of it and avoid making mistakes that keeps keeps them hanging around. Yeah, they do not play Ohio State this year. Had to look that up, but I agree with you on the crowd component. I think Nebraska has sold out every game since 1962. That is a streak of, what, almost 400 games. And I've been there. I was there in 2021. Came away very impressed. I know it was a night game, so there was that mystique to it. But but at the same time, it's a sellout crowd. And it's a very passionate crowd. You know, it's a crowd that isn't going to just be loud until they, you know, until the game settles in and then they then they kind of relax. It's, it's, it's similar, I think, to Ohio State and Michigan State. I think Penn State still probably got the edge in the big 10, but you know, Mike Sainer still said he felt like Nebraska was louder. So he was on the field. So that's, I guess that's kind of what matters the most, but either way, they're in that upper echelon of, of atmospheres. It's a genuinely difficult road atmosphere to play in. And to, to your point about the mistakes, generally the atmosphere is a bigger deal for the offense that's coming into town than the defense, the defense you know, it's actually quieter. They can actually communicate better because instead of, you know, the the home crowd getting loud when Michigan's on defense, it's now when Michigan's on offense. So, you know, understanding the silent counts, understanding me, this is where the offensive line chemistry has to come into play. Thinking about, you know, what happens if you fumble the ball and then suddenly the crowd's even louder and how do you, how do you react to that? Even if you recover the fumble. So I do think that there is a big component of, of just keeping it simple and not making mistakes. You know, if, if Michigan's able to throw the ball as the way it has all season so far, I think that it's going to have an opportunity to move the football, you know, in coverage, Nebraska, even at corner, even at safety, just not a, not a particularly strong group in coverage. And they've, they've definitely faced some tough passing attacks. But at the same time, I think there's going to be you can pass to set up the run. I think I, I if I'm if I'm putting myself in Matt Rule's shoes and Nebraska's shoes, I'm thinking, hey, this run defense thing has been working. Let's let's really focus on stopping the run and, and dare Michigan to to throw it in the crowd, in the heat, with the wind. I think the wind forecast is kind of quieted down, but at one point. There were projected wind gusts of 30 miles an hour and heat index of 95 for around four o'clock on Saturday. So, so kind of going to be kind of an interesting angle to watch is that is that weather, but be it the weather or the crowd, you know, if Michigan can keep its cool, 
I think that it's going to have a very good opportunity to move the football. So, Steve, let's jump into a couple of these these offensive over-unders. The first one I want to discuss, 22.5 touches for Blake Corum. So over or under on 22.5. And and this is really, to me, I think this this over-under, whether it hits or not, I think that tells us a little bit about where Michigan is at with Donovan Edwards. You know, I, I, as we've talked about a few times on the podcast, he was not 100% healthy during fall camp. And obviously he missed all of spring practice. So there is a little bit of the catch-up recovery. But Steve, in addition to your prediction for this 22.5 touches for Blake Corum over under, just wondering, you know, your thoughts on, on is this, because it feels like on paper, this is a game where Donovan Edwards can really help shake that run defense loose a little bit, you know, get, get some plays to the perimeter, get some of those screen passes, be kind of the breakaway running back that we've seen him be. Uh, at the same time, last week, they clearly felt more comfortable giving the ball to Blake Corum than they did to Donovan Edwards in the run game. So if you're Michigan's coaches, you know, are you are you trying to dial some things up for Donovan? Or are you seeing what Blake Corum's doing and just kind of saying, if it's Blake Corum 20 to 25 times in a game, so be it. What are your thoughts on that as well as the 22.5 over under? I'm going under. I also think that 22.5 might be indicative of how close this game could be. Okay. Right. So if it's a, little a bit, blowout, they spread the wealth. I think so. I think if it, yeah, I think if Michigan wins handily, I'd be surprised if that over hits. Maybe it will. Maybe they rely on him a lot in the first half. I don't know. I'll be super, super surprised if this isn't another opera. Yeah. To get Edwards going though. I, I can't, I can't fathom a situation where they don't at least try to get him going a little bit. Again, you're, you're still thinking long-term here, right? I mean, let's be honest. Michigan should beat Nebraska, whether Donovan Edwards sees the ball once or sees the ball 12 times, 13 times. So if you're Michigan, you want to try to get him the ball 12 or 13 times because you want peak Donovan Edwards near the you know end of October, early November. Like You want to get him going to that point. So... Yeah, I'll take the under there. And yeah, I just, I agree with you totally too. This does feel like a game, whether it is in the running game or in the passing game, that Edwards could really have another, uh, could have a big game. Uh, again, I know those listening, like, yeah, it kind of feels like a broken record a little bit at this point. Like, it feels like we have been waiting a little bit longer than I think you and I even anticipated. Yeah, I guess to some degree, every game is a game where he can make big right, plays. It, right. He, he right. has done that in the past. But, Seeing them put both guys on the field, you know, we'll see if they do that again. Feels like that gave him a little more opportunity to, you know, for it just makes it harder for defenses to cover Michigan, period. So, um, yeah, so under on Corum, and I just, again, I'd be shocked if Edwards doesn't see multiple opportunities to try to get going on Saturday. So I'm with you on the under. The only, Blake Corum had 21 touches Saturday against Rutgers. I wouldn't expect him to get more. I am with you if it's if it's a close game. They probably do have to go with who has been best so far. But in addition to the comments on Edwards, and as you mentioned, this is not a discussion that we're having for the first time. Uh, feel free to go listen to our past episodes if you want more. But you know, it's in addition to wanting to get Edwards some confidence, some rhythm. I know Sharon Moore said press conferences this week that. 
Donovan Edwards had his best practice of the year on Tuesday. Maybe that's just trying to build him up, right? There is that cynical look. But also, usually when a player like that has a, starts to really turn it on and, and responds to a quiet start with better practices and more motivation, a coaching staff is going to re- try to reward that. So I think that's another component to watch. And then also, not to overlook him, but like the Kalel Mullings of it all, if Jim Harbaugh is dropping a Toby Gerhardt comparison for you in, in a Monday press conference, you know, based on the six carries that you had against the Scarlet Knights, feels like that might be a sign that Michigan, you, you opened the coach's eyes, Kalel, to the point where they might be mixing you in more than just the fourth quarter, more than just the last drive of the game. So in terms of the the touches for Corum, it's tempting to take the over because it, it feels like for the last two years when he's healthy, that is an over that tends to hit. But I'm going to take the under. All right, let's try this over under. 6.5 different players catch a pass. So last week it was five different Michigan players caught a pass. In week one, it was eight. I think in week two, I believe it was nine. Week three it was interesting. It was only three. So, Steve, do they spread the ball around? I, I feel like there's there's an opportunity to with the linebackers being, I don't know, maybe not as proficient in coverage as you typically see in a 2023 Power 5 defense. And then also the cornerbacks and the safeties aren't particularly, their stats are not super impressive, at least in coverage so far. Again, they, that is facing a few very pass-happy teams, but... I think I'm going to take the under, but I do think there is an opportunity. 6.5 different Michigan players catch a pass in this game. Steve, what's your take? Yeah, that's a good one. I'll say over. I do think, because I think Michigan wins this one comfortably. So I can see some even could be maybe cheapen, cheapen it and say a couple guys get maybe a garbage, couple garbage time receptions or something like that but either way yeah I do think there's an opportunity here for Michigan too because again I have to think and I'm I'm assuming you agree I think like the blueprint so far is basically Ben we're going to try we're going to do whatever we can to stop Michigan running the football and we're going to see how you know let them try to beat us through the air and so far it's take our punches yeah and so far it's been pretty easy for Michigan to do that uh and so you know I can see them. Yeah, I, I feel like, I guess, and I also look at it this way. I think the three against Bowling Green is a total anomaly. I think that what we've seen in the other three games is much more what we would, what we'll normally see on a game to game basis for Michigan, right? I, I don't think every game you're going to see just Johnson, Wilson, and Loveland as the only three guys making a catch. I mean, they do have other players who are more than capable of of, uh, you know, helping out in the passing game, Barner, Edwards, um, even the young guys, like, you know, maybe Samaj Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Fred Moore did still saw some legitimate snaps. Uh, He's seen legitimate snaps every week, Tyler Morris. Right. So there's other guys out there that can make plays. Uh, But yeah, I'll take the over. Yeah. I think I'm going to take the under just because predicting seven or more isn't quite where I'm at, because I do think that if the game happens to be tight during spots, even if it's not tight the whole time or in the final score, it does seem like there's a high favorability to find Roman Wilson, find Cornelius Johnson, find Colston Loveland. 
it, it's not, it does not feel quite like those Jim Harbaugh offenses of the past where there's like six different receivers with 10 catches and none with 20. It does feel like that there's a, there's been a consistent push to find kind of that big three, one player to maybe keep an eye on if he, if he's healthy. And I have to think if he's healthy and playing, Michigan's going to try to get him the ball is Darius Clemens just because it's been, it feels, feels like it's been one of those annoying nagging injuries where he's able to practice, but then suddenly isn't. And it's no, no exact like timetable of when he can return. And so uh, Jim Harbaugh seemed to hint that, that he could be back and that he's, he's getting healthier. And, and so I, you know, he's another player add him kind of in that group with Samaj Morgan, with Fred Moore, with AJ Barner, as you mentioned, do they try to get some of those players, the ball here and there just to one, see what they have, but two, kind of give them an opportunity after having gone through fall camp, gone through these injuries, things like that. So I think there's a good case for the, for the over to hit. I am going to take the under. All right. Final one for the offense. Michigan runs the ball on 60% of plays on its first three drives. So I guess the 60%, I'm going to let Neil, who provides these numbers, I'm going to let him do the math on that in the end. But I don't have a great stat. I think the question is, do they come out passing, pass first, or even 50-50, or do they come out decidedly run first? 60% of their offensive plays on the first three drives, are they running the ball? I think I'm going to take the under, just because I there is the opportunity there. I mean, Nebraska on defense, just like the past defense numbers just simply aren't pretty, even from an, an efficiency standpoint. They are 103rd in passing yards per game allowed. I wouldn't read too much into the yards per game just because, again, if they're facing a bunch of pass-happy teams, that number is always going to be a little bit higher. But, you know, they're 66th in completion percentage allowed. They're 42nd in passer rating allowed, you know, in terms of the the pass rush has not been effective. I don't think they have... They have a lot of guys with like two sacks, but even against Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, it wasn't like a, a crazy good. And Colorado is not a good pass protecting team, from what I can tell. It doesn't feel like Nebraska has quite lived up to its potential in the pass rush. It feels like the edge guys are off to slow starts this season. So I'm gonna if I'm putting on a coach's hat, I'm thinking, hey, JJ McCarthy has had a great start to the season. There's no reason to think that he can't really kind of put this Nebraska defense on its heels. So I actually think that there's an opportunity for Michigan to pass to set up the run. Not sure if Michigan's coaches feel the same way. They might, they love to kind of assert their dominance in the run game. They love to kind of establish authority on that front, but feels like assuming Nebraska kind of lines up to stop the run. I feel like Michigan is comfortable just throwing the ball and trying to move downfield because at the end of the day, if they score twice on those first three drives, they've established authority no matter what. And then they, then they, Nebraska's defense is on its heels. And then suddenly maybe those run lanes are going to be more open. You know, maybe those linebackers do have to think twice on a play action or on a, you know, on a neutral down trying to decide what they want to do. So I think I'm going to take, what would that be? The under, I think I'm going to take the under, and predict that Michigan passes to set up the run. Steve, how about you? Yeah, I think so too. I'm I'm with you all the way on this one. I feel like we know Michigan likes to try to run the ball 
to run the foot just to run the football. And they, the other thing too is they've earned the respect of opponents that teams like you're not going to see teams playing pass defense first very often against Michigan, right? So I, I just I think it comes down to you know it puts Michigan in a position where they they are like they're normally the team that kind of gets to dictate that side of the football. Right. When they when they're on offense, it, it really feels like it's sort of by default in under Michigan's like it the ball Michigan it, Michigan is in control of of how things are dictated when they have the football. Uh and you know, yeah, the more these teams continue to sell out to stop the run, we know Michigan's never gonna abandon the run at all. But 60% in the first few drives, yeah. I mean, yeah, loosen them up, play like push and pull push the ball down the field a little bit to begin the game, loosen up those linebackers a little bit. And then, and then, then at that point, then it's pick your poison for, for Nebraska, right. And you're in big trouble. So I'll go with, I'm with you all the way on that one. All right. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about the defensive keys for the Wolverines in this matchup and then make our final score predictions for this game. You're listening to the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Steve, I'm I'm in the middle of doing my scouting report for Nebraska's offense, and it's kind of similar to last week. Does not strike me the the Cornhuskers do not strike me as an offense that will be able to beat Michigan with its passing attack. Run game, you know, with the option they have they have two mobile quarterbacks. Uh, they lost one of their running backs for the season. It sounds like, but but Anthony Grant's been around a while. He almost had a thousand yards rushing last year. Does feel like they they can run the ball effectively, but man, this this passing attack is just brutal. I mean, they are yards per game, passing yards per game, one hundred and twenty seventh, passing yards per attempt, one hundred and fifteenth, passer rating, one hundred and ninth, completion percentage, one hundred and twenty fourth, uh, Pro Football Focus pass blocking grade, one hundred and twentieth, receiving grade, one hundred and tenth, passing grade, one hundred and thirty first. You know, they, they've they've had two quarterbacks who have played. I, I know Jeff Sims had an injury, and then Harburg has – it sounds like he didn't come out completely unscathed of non-conference play. So they, they have two quarterbacks, and both of them can kind of run it. But, man, if if I feel like the more Nebraska has to pass the ball, the more likely this game could turn into a blowout. Just not an effective phase of the game for the Cornhuskers. And – and Steve, they're allowing pressure on 39.8% of their passing snaps. So to me, 
I think the biggest key, well, the key number one, stop the run, force some second and long, force some third and longs. But then key number two is this is this is a game. Michigan's pass rush has kind of been up and down this season. I feel like there's been some great moments. And then there's been moments where it wasn't as effective as as Michigan would like, not up to their standards. And so I feel like this is an opportunity where as long as they can get a good pass rush and not give up these giant 30-yard open lanes, you know, on, on a quarterback scramble, this really feels like a side of the ball that once again, Michigan can be really dominant in. What's your biggest key for Michigan's defense in this matchup? Yeah, I think it's, it's again, winning first down because a team that's predicated on running the football is not going to, they're not going to last long in the game unless they're successful early on. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. I totally agree that this, this game could turn into a pretty ugly one because I, again, much like Rutgers sort of was last week and credit again, credit to Rutgers because they actually end up throwing the ball a little bit better than what I think we anticipated they would. I don't see Nebraska having the same, even at home. I would just be surprised if they threw the ball even as successfully as, as Rutgers did last week. Right. And so they, they have to have second and four, second and five type situations all day if they're going to want to stick with Michigan in this one. So yeah, it'll give Michigan an opportunity to get to the quarterback and maybe force some turnovers, which could make it even worse. So just like their offense is such a horrible matchup uh, or Michigan's defense is such a horrible matchup for Nebraska's offense, uh, you know, just because how elite Michigan has been against the run and no ability to pass the football, you know, tell me if you believe, I, I mean, if you're with me on this one, I, I think I'm, I feel like I'm dead on. I, I just feel like they're going to have to run. They're going to run some crap early to try to create some kind of big play. I mean, I just, I feel like it's the one, not their one hope, but it's their best chance to like really get the crowd going is some kind of wild trick play or something early on to try to put some points on the board. Never say never, but I just can't fathom Nebraska being able to run the ball consistently on this Michigan defense. Again, especially when you you just rattled off all those passing stats. Those passing stats are not because they've been a juggernaut <laughs> running the football necessarily either. You know, this isn't mid-90s Nebraska running the option down everybody's throats for four quarters. I mean, they're they're solid running solid running team, but like not to that extent where those passing numbers are, you know, it's not like a service academy type situation, which ironically, I believe Navy and Air Force are the only two programs that have less passing yards per game than Nebraska does. So, uh, so yeah, I just think it's for Michigan. It's kind of just do what you've been doing. Honestly, I just keep playing the way they've been playing up front and Nebraska is going to, it's going to be a really long day for Nebraska. It certainly can be. I like your first down point on first down so far this season. Nebraska has 93 carries. They have 20 pass attempts and nine completions on first down. So you're talking about it's an extremely high rate of run plays. They will throw some option. I, I kind of agree with your point that they're probably thinking, you know, there, maybe there's a reverse, maybe there's a flea flicker, maybe there's some big play that they can do in one of those first couple drives to get the crowd into it, to kind of put Michigan on their heels a little bit, but yeah, the option will be there and Nebraska, whether it's option or not, very perimeter heavy with their runs, 66.4% of their designed runs. So not counting scrambles, which are often outside of the tackles. Anyways, 
but 66.4% of their designed runs have gone outside the tackles. So I do think, you know, we, we talk about the run wall Michigan likes to form and that's, that's a, you know, the, the interior guys, Chris Jenkins, Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, when he's healthy, you know, that's a huge part of Michigan's run defense success. But I do think that there is also, this is going to be a, an interesting test for the linebackers, you know, junior Colson, Michael bear. How, how are you reading and reacting to the play? How are you making sure that you are identifying who has the ball, where, if the pitch is available, you know, just making sure that you're, you're containing the right, the right players. And then I think the edge guys, I I've been very impressed with Derek Moore against the run, by the way, Jalen Harrell's done it enough over the past couple of years. I think he's in that category. And then Braden McGregor has had some nice moments in run defense. So, you know, how, how they kind of set the edge contain this likely perimeter heavy rushing attack. Yeah. I think that is maybe a, a subtle thing. I think, I think you and I are on the same page. Michigan's probably winning this matchup just because of how one dimensional Nebraska is, but yeah, making sure that you're setting the edge and, and not being, I don't know, reckless as a defender against Nebraska's potentially option and, and perimeter heavy rushing attack. All right, let's dive into some of these over-unders to finish up these this preview. Heinrich Harburg, who is the projected starting quarterback, he was started the season as the backup, but Jeff Sims has been hurt. 239.5 combined yards passing and rushing. I'm assuming sacks will count as negatives for this one, but Harburg on the season, he has 278 passing yards in essentially two and a half games. He has 302 sack adjusted rushing yards. I'm taking the under on this one. I I just, I frankly, Neil, I'm a little surprised you went this high. Maybe, you know, something I don't know, but yeah, I'm taking the under. I, I just, I feel like Michigan is pretty good at preparing for funky stuff. Like it doesn't feel like they really fall in the trap of, Oh, this week it's option. Last week it was this, or this week it's tempo. Last week it was, you know, a, a clock killing, you know, I don't think they really have too much variance. I, and Harburg, even though he's been less turnover prone than Sims was, he has not been particularly impressive as a passer. He also struggles on passes 10 yards or more downfield. He's six for 19 on the year. Um, you know, his completion percentage is 51.1%. And that's, that's against the group of five teams. I mean, he's, 22 for 41 passing against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. I I just think it's going to be a struggle for this offense. So I'm taking the under. Steve, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, if this one's if this hits the over, then this might be a game of sorts. I feel like because that's a high number for somebody, yeah, who has not shown the ability to consistently move the ball downfield uh, in the passing game. Right? I mean maybe busts a couple runs or something, but you, I just, yeah, hard to imagine he gets there. Uh, again, I think it would be, it would take a couple huge busts on Michigan's defense for that to, for him to even approach that number. So uh, I'm with you. I'm going to take the under that one's kind of, that's the easiest one. I feel like we've answered so far. Just my two cents. I was going to say Neil often does such a great job. Like, I don't, I don't know his exact formula for how he comes up with these, but it does seem like he has a lot of them where it's like, ah, I was probably going to pick, you know, right around that number. So uh, I would have picked significantly under had I not seen that over under for what I would have predicted hard. Plus, I don't know Sim's status, but he might play too. So that would, I feel like that would also lower the yardage. All right, next 
over under. Nebraska gets two and a half drives into the red zone. I'm going to take the under. I'm sh- I would be surprised if they didn't get at least one or two. But three, I don't know. The way Michigan controlled the clock last week, the way they've been defending all season, and and just what I've seen from Nebraska's offense, I'm just I'm not looking at a at an offense that's going to be able to consistently sustain drives into Michigan's red zone. So I'm taking the under on that one. How about you? Same. Kind of boring, but I'm with you on this one as well. I just – similar situation where it would just – it would take – I wouldn't say like a full letdown. I mean, that's – three's like not a ton, but like it would be a semi-letdown if Michigan uh, does not hit the under in that one because, again, it just – Nebraska feels way too one-dimensional to move the ball that far – that consistently uh, only way I see it. Maybe they have a big special teams play that gets them somewhere close, I, but I just don't see Nebraska through four quarters being able to sustain drives long enough to make it there three times. So far in the season, Nebraska only has 10 red zone trips period. And again, that's against four teams. I think we would expect Michigan to beat and two teams in Northern Illinois, and Louisiana tech. That I think we would expect Michigan to beat, by a considerable margin. So this is this is the big mismatch, right? I, I do think that there's some components, some elements of the game. I, I, I've been to enough of these road games to know that it's it's a thing. It's a real thing, and the, and the weather could make things interesting. I think Nebraska has, you know, different little pockets of, of talent or, or maybe a, a matchup advantage here and there. Like, I am curious about uh, Thomas Fedone. Seems like he's off to a nice start this season, and, and Michigan hasn't really faced a tight end. That's a key part of a passing attack, I would argue. So, you know, there's like little things here and there, but at the same time, Michigan has only allowed six red zone attempts all season. Nebraska only has 10 in four games this season. That feels like a fairly easy under prediction for, for me. All right, this one, you and I might disagree on this one, or I, I don't know where you stand. Michigan's defensive linemen and edges, so interior and edge guys, get 2.5 sacks. So far this season, Nebraska has given up 10. So 2.5 is, nice job, Neil. That's that's the exact average that they're giving up per game. And I mentioned before that, Mich- or that Nebraska is giving up 39.8% of their passing snaps have had pressure, which is just, it's such a high rate. I mean, that's... That's that's just so difficult to sustain. I am actually going to take the under, though, because with two mobile quarterbacks and them knowing Michigan is coming into town, I I kind of think that they're going to do the East Carolina, the Northwest, whatever team you want to say does it most frequently. I think they're going to go with a sack-averse pass attack. I also just don't know how much they're going to pass. Right, I mean, to get three sacks or more, got to got to throw the ball more than, you know, twenty percent, thirty percent of the time. So, we'll see. I, I think there's an opportunity for 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 three, but I, I think I'm going to take the under. I think I'm going to, I'm I'm betting on Nebraska's coaches deciding that an incomplete pass or a three yard pickup in the pass game is better than taking a five step drop and taking a sack. How about you, Steve? verbatim what I was going to say. I was going to actually going to use the Northwestern analogy. I, I just, yeah. Again, 
this is what teams have sort of been doing all year so far. Try to run the ball, doesn't work. Use a short, quick passing game to negate Michigan's pass rush. And because when teams have dropped back, Michigan's been pretty successful in at least uh, getting pressure to force a throw that's off rhythm. So, uh, again, a team that can't throw the ball and a quarterback that can't throw the ball down the field or has not shown that he can throw the ball down the field, hard to imagine, yeah, that they're not going to try, yeah, sort of that dink and dunk style of offense to to move the football, you know, and force Michigan linebackers and defensive backs to make, to, to you know, to avoid missed tackles, right? I, I think that's got to be at least a decent or a um, healthy part of Nebraska's strategy offensively, right? I mean, they're going to try to run the football. It's going to be difficult. That might be their best bet to get those four or five yard plays is to, yeah, just dink and dunk down the field. So I'm going to go with the under as well. I mean, we're pretty much on the same page here, I feel like, as far as the defense goes. All right, let's close this up. Final thoughts on this matchup. Anything you haven't brought up yet that could be a factor in Saturday's game, as well as your final score prediction for Michigan at Nebraska. Uh, I mean, it's kind of weird to think we had this as like a potential trap game early in the year. It, it doesn't feel like that anymore, uh, just because based on what we've seen out in Nebraska so far, might be the, a nice, it's like a good first road game for Michigan to embark on, I feel like. Because like I said, Nebraska's crowd can never be underestimated, even though they have not had a great start to their season Still a first-year head coach. This is still probably the biggest game of the year for them at Memorial Stadium. So you you know the crowd is going to bring it at least early on. But it is a team on paper that Michigan should be able to beat pretty easily. You know, So good way to get that first road experience out of the way, but also not a team that's at least built or is operating in a way that, that they should have, you know, really have should effectively negate much that Michigan wants to do on either side of the football, you know? So in some ways, almost like a best case scenario, you know, for me, and as far as this being Michigan's first road game of the season, I'm going to go 41 to 17, maybe, maybe a late junk on Nebraska's. And what's the spread? The spread's only 17 though, right? Which isn't that Michigan. Yeah. Feels I was a little like surprised. Right? I don't know right? if it's moved. I was a little surprised at 17. Again, Michigan, what have they not covered yet, though, still? Or did they cover against Rutgers finally? They didn't they push? I Wasn't think it the 24? initial line was, yeah, I think the initial line was 24. Okay. And I actually think that was about as close as you'll ever see because I think the over under was like in the neighborhood of 38, too. I was like, <laughs> wow. That game huh? went literally exactly as Vegas predicted it to go. Sure. So. <laughs> but yeah, the, the 17 point spread was a little surprising. But again, Michigan has also kind of been able to ease off the gas like the last at least quarter of the of all four games so maybe they're that's playing into part of it but but again on paper nebraska is just another team that just does not feel like a good matchup like michigan's not a good matchup for nebraska at all not the way that they're built at this point so michigan 41 nebraska uh what i say 17 i'm gonna say 14 i'm gonna go down even further 14 okay yeah we're on the same general page I, I do think there's a couple wrinkles that could make this game closer. And one is the run defense. I think, it, you know, the numbers, the, the second in yards per game allowed doesn't move the needle as much, but the yards per carry kind of does, because that means even if teams aren't trying to run the ball a ton on Nebraska, you, 
they're, they're not doing a good job when they do. So that that is one angle, especially knowing that Michigan's run game has kind of been been up and down. I think it's been trending up, right? I felt I felt like Saturday's uh, performance against Rutgers is actually pretty promising. But in the end, this is a tricky matchup in that it's a road game and Michigan's going to have to, you know, stay mentally disciplined, you know, bring its own energy, all, all the cliches. And I, again, I've been to Nebraska. It's definitely a real thing. But this Nebraska team, there's only four power five teams that have turned the ball over more than Nebraska has so far. And two of them played five games. And so I think, you know, between I think Nebraska, whereas Rutgers was not a turnover prone team, not a mistake prone team. It feels like Nebraska might have more explosive potential, more. You know, I th- I, I'm more impressed by their pass catching core. An NFL scout might see more NFL draft caliber players on Nebraska's roster, but they make a lot more mistakes. And and I, I think as long as Michigan isn't uncharacteristically off in terms of making mistakes, I feel like they're going to be able to get some short field drives, get some momentum changing stops or turnovers or, or maybe even a sack or two. So I've got, I've got Michigan winning 35 to seven until something else happens. I am predicting 30 something to less than 10 automatically. So, but even just looking at the stats, looking at the numbers of this matchup, you know, Michigan might not be able to just blast Nebraska's defense again, short field turnovers, that kind of stuff could get, get Michigan's, point total up in a hurry but does not feel like a game that Michigan will have difficulty dominating and I think there's a good chance it looks like they're right at home in Lincoln Nebraska I've heard from a bunch of Michigan fans who I know are making the trip it does seem like this is a year where Michigan fans will you know they they have that Ohio State fan confidence where they're like hey let's which road trip do we want to see you know, Michigan win at, it does feel like there's that confidence. I do think there'll be a decent amount of Michigan fans there, but yeah, I, I think Michigan's Nebraska's offense is too one dimensional. Michigan's defense is too good. And Nebraska has shown so far that they're much more prone to making costly mistakes and turnovers. I think Michigan is in full control of this game and moves to five and zero. That's going to do it for this episode. If you want to read more about this matchup, go to the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We've got all angles covered heading into this game. And we'll obviously have all angles covered from Alejandro and myself in Lincoln during and after the game as well. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.